Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Have you ever felt like you've tried everything to heal from the pain of sexual abuse, and yet nothing seems to really be helping? Well, one of the reasons why most people struggle to break free from the pain of past child abuse is because the techniques out there are positioned as a one-size-fits-all answer. What I want you to know is that there are actually three distinct phases on the path to recovery. And I'd love to share with you about these phases, what issues you must resolve to move to the next phase, and what kinds of support you'll need in order to move forward as quickly and completely as possible. The road to recovery is much easier when you know what stage you're in and what to do next. So don't hesitate. Go to www.rachelgrantcoaching.com slash checklist and get your nine-page guide today. Now, on to our show. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, The Final Stage of Recovery from Sexual Abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving Method at www.rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now, today I'm very excited to have here with me my guest, Caitlin DePrano, who will be sharing with us ways to stay self-empowered, whether we're in 
or out of relationships. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Caitlin and then we're going to jump right into our conversation. Now, Caitlin can really be described in many different ways. She's a social entrepreneur. She's a women's empowerment teacher. She's a shoe and accessory designer. And she's also trained as an intimate partner abuse advocate. Caitlin is a native of Melbourne, and she graduated from the University of Melbourne with a BSc majoring in psychology and philosophy. She's also the CEO and founder of Will Powered Woman, a keynote panelist for YWCA. She's been a guest lecturer at SFSU. She's also been a guest speaker at Green Festival. So she's been touring around, getting her message out, and really doing beautiful advocacy work out there in the world because she is determined to break the silence. She continues to boldly and courageously share her story in various settings to create awareness and share her knowledge about intimate partner abuse as a way of empowering others. So I'm so glad to have Caitlin here with us today because as many of you know, there's a huge crossover between those of us who have experienced sexual abuse or trauma and have found ourselves in abusive relationships. You can count me among that group as well. So I know we're going to have lots to learn from Caitlin here today. So welcome, Caitlin. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and uh, to inform uh, your listeners to um, the things that I learnt through my journey and what we're uh, doing at Woolpowered Woman. Mm. So, yeah, thank you. And I'm really glad to have the opportunity to hear more of your story and how this has become a mission for you, really. So maybe you can start us off a little bit um, to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey um, and experience in um, a, an intimate partner abuse relationship and how that led you um, to found a Willpowered Woman. Yeah, sure. So I had um, you know, run my own business in the, in the UK um, and I was at a period in my life where I really was looking for something more meaningful. So I came to the state. Uh, and I volunteered for a non-profit uh, and raised them $15,000 to feed the homeless for Thanksgiving and Christmas, which was, you know, such a wonderful experience, but it really did make me very vulnerable because I didn't have a job here um, and I didn't, you know, I had kind of left my life behind in London. And so that, you know, I, I met my my uh my partner and uh we we got married and uh after we got married um things sort of drastically changed he the person that i'd married and the person i was married to were like two different people it was like mm -hmm. night and day um and so you know i because i'd had life experience before him when his behavior and the violence in the relationship started to escalate, I left right away. And so, you know, a part of Willpowered Woman's mission is to always be encouraging women to have goals and strive for those goals and have life experiences um, because on average, you know, a woman will go back to their abuser um, seven times. So um, 
I, you know, I was sort of one of the anomalies and I really do believe the reason for that was because I'd had all of these life experiences that, uh, you know, taught me that what it felt like to be living free and then what it felt like to be in a relationship where essentially I was trapped. Um, we were living out in the uh, East Bay San Ramon area and uh, before we got married, you know, he'd been teaching me how to drive his manual car because um, I didn't know how to drive manual. And after we got married, it was like, no, you're not, you're not driving my car. And so mm-hmm. it, that's where it really started, where I was 100% reliant on him for everything. You know, so even if I needed to go to the supermarket to get food, you know, I was reliant on him, you know, to drive me there. Um, which was a really, really scary situation uh, for someone like myself because I just uh, felt trapped and I sure. very much wanted to, you know, go and do my own thing and, you know, sort of have my have my own life as well as my the life with my with my husband. Um, and so once he started uh, being violent, I just, you know, left right away. And uh, through that experience, I discovered that um, women without children are highly underserved um, in the intimate partner abuse realm. Um, So, you know, I I was able to find an emergency shelter that took women without children, um, you know, to escape my husband. But um, I... Beyond that, there were were no long-term housing solutions for women without children. Um, there were there were maybe there was maybe one or two, um, but obviously their wait lists were you know very yeah. long. And yeah. so, because I'd gone on this you know journey of really looking at what is my purpose in life. I I was like, oh my God, this is what I'm meant to do. This really is the thing that um, that is my calling because actually at the emergency shelter, the term domestic violence was um, the first time I'd come across that term. And I, mm-hmm. I realized that I'd actually been a lifetime survivor of that because, you know, my father was... Uh, pretty violent, pretty erratic um, as a child. And, you know, I was a very, very outspoken, very outgoing kind of child. And so I was always uh, the child in the family that got the brunt of his anger. And, you know, I just, it just became so glaringly obvious that, you know, this really was my my mission in life. And Mm. uh, the, you know, the amount of willpower it took me to also not go back to uh, to my husband is really where willpowered woman um, where the name came from. Mm, so that. you know that was in that short period of time where I'm going through this massive crisis. I'm also having these like enlightening thoughts and you know and just like I'm starting this organization. We're going to be all about prevention, um, you know, and we're also the longer term plan is to be able to help women without children who are trying to get out of abusive relationships. Yeah. 
Wow, Caitlin, thank you so much for that introduction and sharing a little bit of your story with us and and how you've taken this experience and turned it into a sword <laughs> that you are using uh, to be out in the world and just you know re- you know just do some really amazing things. A couple of things I want to just pull from what you shared there that really struck me is to highlight, you know, yeah, services for single women. It's such a thing that if you don't have children, um, sorry, not single women, women without children, um, you know, the services are very limited. So I love that you saw, you know, this gap of care and thought, okay, how can I step in? and create something to support those women. And mm. that, you know, this this experience of going through this trauma and then recognizing it as something that was clearly not something you wanted to return to, but also understanding that pool that we have and how hard that can be and that, that willpower that it takes along with resources and support in order mm. to not just step out of a of a domestic violence situation, but then to remain out of it. Um, really, really beautiful. I know for myself, uh, you know, when I started dating my partner, boy, I just didn't have any, I didn't have any clue what I was doing really, Caitlin. <laughs> I was like, you know, I had been through abuse and trauma as a child, and here I was, I was just like, let me find somebody who's going to, like, love me and care for me, and I was just all about ignoring the warning signs. And mm. even if I had the resource or the the knowledge to even notice those warning signs, I'm not sure that I would have necessarily been able to step away even so because I was in such that place of my own sense of self being so broken down that I didn't know mm. yet that I could stand up for myself, that I could take care of myself. But mm. I, I do want to talk a little bit here about warning signs because, you know, prevention, if we can avoid even getting into the situation in the first place, is that's, you know, the best case scenario. So can you share with us, you know, some of the things that um, that women should be looking for and paying attention to in order to um, avoid ending up in these relationships in the first place? Yeah, sure. So... I'd say that the number one uh, sign to look out for would be control. And this can start out as very small things such as what you're wearing. You know, they they ask you to, you know, uh, wear a skirt that is maybe a little bit longer um, or something like that. So, I mean, this is the thing is that it really starts out very small and you know sometimes there have been women that have been in you know relationships for six years and it didn't it didn't hit a point uh where it was you know really dangerous until you know six years after the relationship started so you know even things that we might think of as small start out as small but then they escalate so mm. it's really looking out for these these small ways that your partner is trying to control uh, your behavior in relation to uh, him and the relationship you know one thing might be I don't want you to wear a short skirt because y- other men will look at you you know so kind of also having that jealousy uh, factor 
is also another uh, massive uh, warning sign. You know, them them just not wanting you to have friends because they think that they that you're cheating on them. Um, you know, all all of that kind of thing, which leads me to my next point of that is all working towards isolation, to mm, isolating mm-hmm. a woman from her networks of people um, to, you know, basically be able to continue to have uh, control over the woman so that they can, you know, escalate their behavior and get to a point where they can pretty much do whatever they want because, uh, a woman is, you know, you mentioned it before, so broken down that, you know, it's it's super hard to 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 get out of. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. You know, it's really fascinating how you know women are often taught to accommodate, and I I know for myself when those little things started to happen, like oh that don't dress that way, dress dress this way, or don't. You shouldn't talk to those people because, well, like they always have really great reasons why, don't they? Mm. <laughs> it seems like really rational and important. Okay, I can understand that. But, yeah, that, that chipping away, right, that little bit mm. by bit by bit. And then before you know it, yeah, you've separated yourself from friends, from family. You're constantly trying to fit into the mold of what this person, you know, wants. And any time you're outside of that, of course, that is when there's an eruption and there's that violence. So, yeah, so being able to to do that interior work to build up your sense of self-worth, right, and deservingness of healthy relationship Mm. is one side of that coin, and then really being knowing what to look for. And when you think of women who, um, you know, I, I think I love that you were, as soon as, you know, the violence started in your relationship, that you had the wherewithal, wherewithal to step away um, what would you say to women who are struggling with that, who are really finding it so, so hard uh, to to walk away from something that they know, they know is not healthy, they know is not in, in service to them, it's not good, and yet they just can't seem to step away? What would you say to a woman in that situation? You know, I'd say, number one, you be kind to yourself. Um, you know, you're not alone uh it it is extremely difficult to get out of that cycle um because what essentially is happening in an abusive relationship is you know you hit these you know almost these points where things get very intense and they get very abusive um and then the abuser apologizes and then you go back into this almost honeymoon phase where you're mm. back in love again and you're you're you know back in the relationship and things are feeling really good and you know sometimes that can go on for 6 months and then there hits another point where it escalates again you know so the the chemical reaction that is happening within that cycle is you know is very hard to break Um, So, you know, I'd say that they're really not alone and that I understand uh, where they're coming from and that really, you know, I work with survivors um, and I always hone in on the fact, you know, just acknowledge the small wins, you know, that you have 
um, whether that be that, you know, you know that you're in this abusive relationship and you've started to, to seek out an advocate, um, you know, whether you've, you've started to think about leaving, um, you know, it really is, is a process. And, you know, I think that people that have been through an abusive relationship will understand that. And then the other thing that I would also recommend is just to really start to make a list of the things that you want to create in your life that essentially are going to be, um, you know, put on hold if you stay in the relationship. So, you know, for me personally... Mm. He, you know, he, he didn't even want me to get a job once we got married. And I was like, what? Like, this is just totally not okay. And so, you know, I recognized all of the things that I wasn't going to be able to move forward with if I stayed in the relationship. And so I, you know, shortly after I left him, I wrote a list of the top five things that I wanted to create in my life. And, you know, kind of always brought myself back uh, to that list, you know, when I was wanting to go back with him. And then another thing that also really helped me is, you know, you, I kind of went in and out of uh, thinking about the good times with him. And that's mm. very, and again, like a very normal mm -hmm. reaction. Yeah. But yeah. What, I'd, what I'd done was I'd put together a list of all of the negative things that he'd done to me. So every time I was kind of going into that euphoric stage of remembering the good times, I'd bring myself back to that list and right. remind myself of the reality of the relationship and that this is not actually a safe person uh, mm. to be around. Um, so, yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. Like, reality check. <laughs> Here is yeah. my reality checklist. Because that yeah, is part totally. of what makes abuse, whether it's sexual abuse, you know, at the hands of a, a parent or a care, an adult who we're in the care of, or a partner, it's, it is this duality of this person isn't all bad. If they were all bad, it would be so straightforward. But we have yeah. this mixture of fondness and love and good, yummy moments with that person yeah. alongside this abuse and trauma. So I love, love, love. Take that advice to the bank, folks. Create your <laughs> list of like your reality checklist. It is such a great uh, idea there. I love that. The other thing that really stood out to me from what you were saying there, Caitlin, is that it doesn't necessarily have to be a like, okay, I've made the decision to leave and now I'm leaving. That it, you can build, you can build a plan, and you mm -hmm. can start layering in things that are going to make that transition happen. Hopefully, very quickly, so that you're not suffering and you know being harmed and uh, traumatized. Mm -hmm. But that you know what I heard you say was you know think about getting support, just start having conversations with some people building in some infrastructure that is going to support you in leaving. And, and that kind of brings me to something else that I'm really curious about is um, I know you mentioned things like planning finances and actually managing, like using contraception, and, and that they, these two things can be um, actually very critical towards helping prevent you from being trapped mm -hmm in an abusive relationship. So let's maybe take the finances piece first. You know, what do you, can you talk, say a little more about that? What do you mean by kind of work, you know, manage your personal finances so that you can avoid being trapped in an abusive relationship? 
Yeah, sure. So um, in 98% of intimate partner abuse cases, the abuser is controlling the finances. So in order for a woman to leave, she either stays or she has to face homelessness and poverty in order to leave. So, you know, that essentially, you know, traps a woman in the relationship, um, whereas if if women can really just always be ahead of their, their finances and, um, you know, sort of understand that, um, they they need to look after their themselves first and foremost, um, mm. and you know having an emergency stash of money that only you know about um, is extremely important because, like I said, there have been women that have been in relationships for six years and these signs didn't eventuate until the five year mark. You right. know, so sometimes right. you can be in this awesome relationship for a long a long time and then it just it turns it turns turn, so yeah. um yeah. you know that and then also just you know another thing i always try and hone in on is always like asking yourself you know if if i were to do this particular thing that for example my partner is asking me to do would it make me vulnerable you know, so mm-hmm. another tactic that abusers use is basically they, you know, coerce the woman to be giving their wages, uh, you know, to to them. So right. that essentially right. means, you know, that they've got all of the, the control over the finances. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, you know, another another basic one, which, you know, a lot of people don't think about is, you know, no joint bank accounts. You know, mm-hmm. really trying to keep your finances, you know, separate from from one another, um, and you know, really trying to just make sure that in the event where you do need to leave a relationship, that you're going to be able to support yourself. Okay. Uh, okay. So, and you're not trapped. Hmm. I love it. It reminds me a little bit of my um, uh, my ex mother in law, who she's really very much still my mother in law. <laughs> I, I kept her in the divorce, <laughs> uh, and she's this amazing, amazing Jamaican woman, and she's just powerful and brilliant. And she used to always say to me, "Rachel, girl, you keep twenty dollars in your pocket, no matter where you go." Now, in today's economy, we need more than twenty dollars, but the heart of that was. You always need to have your own freedom. And I love that. And at the same time, Caitlin, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you a little bit uh, because I want to know how you would respond to the people who would say, oh, Caitlin, that's so cynical. Like how how can we be in love and how can we have trust in a relationship if we're always planning to like we have an escape route plan, you know, and, and we're not trusting our partners and not sharing everything. And I'd love to hear just, you know, your take on because I bet I ha- there have to be people who are hearing that and thinking that. Um, as good yeah. as that is. So, yeah, what would you say to, to folks who really experience that as cynical? Yeah, sure. So I would say that, you know, the main purpose of a relationship is, you know, to, to support one another and that, you know, your life is actually better with that person in it. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's and that you're, you're both, 
a, able, you know, you have this dynamic of interdependence. Um, so interdependence is really what you're aiming for in a healthy relationship. Um, you know, so, you know, when it comes to like sharing everything, you know, like there's, there's just, there's so much room for that like codependence cycle to, you know, be created. Um, so, you know, I would say it's not cynical, actually. I'd say that it's really um, encouraging people to create interdependent relationships where you're both two autonomous mm -hmm. human beings mm -hmm. that can look after themselves and that they're joining in this partnership because they add to each other's lives. Oh, man. Yeah, A plus. A plus on that reply. Yes. <laughs> so good. So key. Did you all hear that word? It's such an important word, interdependence. Oh, man. And it's so interesting because that topic, that theme is starting to come up a little bit, the difference between codependence and interdependence in my world this month. So I'm I'm so excited to hear it here in this conversation. So true. So true. The other little thing before we talk about the contraception piece is uh, I want to highlight something that you said, Caitlin, and really make sure our listeners get that. Sometimes mm. these sorts of abusive behaviors begin later on in the relationship. And so the warning signals, sometimes they're not there. It, it, there is this moment of like, okay, you were this and now you're this. And, you know, and then they start to do these, you know, small behaviors that then escalate into violence. Uh, and I just wanted to highlight that because I know for so many survivors of sexual abuse and domestic violence, there's this feeling of, I should have seen it coming. Why didn't I see it coming? And so I think it's really great for us to be able to be here today and just let some people off the hook and go, you know, sometimes you, you just can't see it coming. There is no warning sign that it's going to start. And our job is that when it does start, if it does start, to be able to respond to that as needed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think also, you know, um, sometimes it, it the majority of the relationship could even just be emotional abuse. It doesn't have mm. to be physical. Thank you. Um, you know, yeah. so it, it the emotional abuse usually points to that at some point it might turn violent. Um, you know, but then again, it, it, it might not. Um, and emotional abuse has a whole, you know, set of negative effects on the person that, right. that sometimes make it even more difficult to, to leave. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know in my, in my relationship, the verbal abuse was so detrimental. Uh, the physical mm. violence was almost like, you know, it, it almost didn't have as much impact as the verbal mm. abuse uh, on me personally. Um, mm. and But it was after the relationship ended, the thing that I had to do the most healing around and detriggering around was the, the verbal abuse that I experienced. So thank you for calling that forward because it is mm. so important. So what Definitely. about this other other piece? You mentioned, you know, that contraception and being aware of like of planning um can also be really important in preventing um, you know, ourselves from becoming trapped in abusive relationships. Can you say a little more about that? Yeah, sure. So I right after we got married, uh my husband was trying to sabotage our birth control plan and I was 
really taken aback because, you know, we wanted to have children but not right away and we were in no financial situation at the time to be even considering having um, a child. So it just was very sort of, it came out of nowhere. And um, he did actually say to me one time, uh, that way you'll never be able to leave me. And I think, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that gives us some insight into, you know, why would an abuser want to, uh, you know, force their girlfriend or their wife to, to get pregnant and you know really when you have a child with someone then you know whoever you've had that child with you're tied to them for you know 18 years at least um, and so you know I I had my own experience of that and then I you know went to the emergency shelter for two months and uh, heard other women's stories of forced pregnancy um, where, you know, the the abuser had, you know, forced them to get pregnant so then they can exert mm. further control over them and, and their lives. And this caused me to delve into it deeper and I discovered that it happens to one in four women in abusive relationships. Wow. So, yeah, it, it really is a huge issue that is not, in my opinion, talked about nearly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that willpowered woman has identified that as one of our key awareness issues. Um, so I, if, if, uh, women see that their partner is trying to sabotage their birth control plan, um, you know, I, I would recommend, you know, trying to get something that, uh, you know, a, a contraceptive that, uh, their partner would have no knowledge of, like an IUD or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's so fascinating. <laughs> oh man, and yeah. scary. Oh my gosh, scary. Yeah. Uh yeah. because when children start to be pawns, oh that's you know, we could do a whole episode just on that. So, yeah. you know, totally. there's so much. It is, you know, what what I'm really present to in this conversation, Caitlin, is that there's such a a delicate balance that we strike in relationships um as women in being engaged, uh, being loving, being generous, and being mindful and holding our own space and allowing ourselves to stand separate and that not meaning that our relationships are shallow or we're planning for the end of them, but that we're just really, um, really aware. Anything Mm. you would add to that? Yeah, I think that there is this, you know, common misconception in the the media that you know um that ro- romantic relationships are a big part of what it means to be a woman um and you know i definitely like to challenge that that view that is brought up in the media so often um and that really uh you know figuring out how to be autonomous in your life you know, in and out of a relationship um, mm-hmm. is, is really, you know, the most healthy thing that you can do for yourself. Awesome. Oh, love that. I love that. I love that. Okay, so I'm going to throw you a little curveball here. And I want to, because I know that men are listening to um, this podcast as well, I know that Willpowered Women, Women focuses on 
women. <laughs> but um, I'm guessing just because you're so immersed in this world that you must be coming across, um, you know, men who are victims of domestic violence. So I just want to give a shout out to the men who are dealing with this same dynamic. And mm. of course, in LGBTQ relationships where we have partners of the same sex, and um, domestic violence is occurring. So um, just anything you might say or add, or is there any, just anything that you've been noticing about um, or aware of for these populations that is the same or distinct or different than, you know, maybe what we shared so far with the idea of women in mind? Yeah, I mean, it really is, it's, it's the same, you know, across across the board. Um, you know, really, uh, you know, a, another thing that could, you know, is potentially a warning sign is, you know, a, a partner that in the beginning of the relationship seems very charming and sort of seems like they, ha they have it all together and, you know, they're very doting and very loving and caring. Um, you know, that, that is often a tactic um, that, you know, abusers use. And it really, uh, abuse doesn't discriminate. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter whether you know, you're male, female, um, you know, wealthy, um, you know, less fortunate. Mm. Uh, it, it really, it really doesn't discriminate. Um, and so, you know, for, you know, I, I know men who have, you know, been through a, abusive relationships and, um, you know, the one thing that, um, you know, sort of became clear is that, you know, the the emotional side of it can, you know, sometimes the emotional abuse can mm. can be heavier than the the physical abuse, you know, because obviously, you know, uh men men have, you know, a higher like muscle mass and uh they they just are genetically and physically stronger than, than women. So um, you know, I think that the, the number thing, number one thing I've seen with men is the, the jealousy aspect. That really, for for men that are that are experiencing partners that that ended up being abusive, that seemed to be like the number one oh, warning sign of like the the woman being very jealous and the woman being like you're not allowed to see like any of your ex girlfriends and mm. uh, you know that that kind of thing um, you know and then it's like I, I another thing I've noticed is that like there's this um, element of like shame for for men right um, which yeah. is is different than the shame we experience as women who have been through abuse you know I think women um, tend to internalize and kind of say oh, you know, like it's, it's all my fault and that's where that shame comes from. Whereas for men, it's like, it's like I'm a man, like I shouldn't even be going through this. Mm, and that's, that's kind right. of where their shame uh, comes from. And so, you know, and it's, uh, another thing for men is like it's not, uh, you know, it's more difficult for them to like open up and, and, and get support. So... You know, I, for men that are going through it, I would just say, you know, like speak to someone that you trust. You know, call call a hotline or you know seek support from a from an organisation. Um, you know, and, and get help because you know it's like I was saying before, the emotional abuse uh, aspect to it is 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 very detrimental. Um, you know, and can sometimes uh, make it even more difficult to get out of an abusive relationship. Right. So. If the abuse isn't physical, um, you know, it, it, it's 
still uh, could be very detrimental. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Thank you, Caitlin, for those words of wisdom and encouragement. And so as we start to uh, near the end of our time together today, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about on the Beyond Surviving podcast is the fact that uh, trauma and recovery is a part of our life, but not our life. <laughs> and that there yeah. is something else. There's something that comes next. Um, so I'd love for you to share just any final words that you might have that might be an encouragement um, to men or women who are in a circumstance of this intimate partner abuse to let them know that it is possible to heal from this kind of trauma. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, the the first thing I would say is that, you know, you're not alone and um, that there are so many other people that have, um, you know, been through what you're going through and understand, you know, what you're going through. And, um, you know, there were times where I I literally just had to take it like one day at a time. Mm. Um, And, you know, I, you know, the thing that got me through would just, I would tell myself it's, it's going to get better, it's going to get better. Um, you know, and then the other thing was that, you know, I, I sought the help that I needed, you know, so right after I left him, you know, I think I was, I was going to two support groups, you know, I had an advocate, I had a therapist, um, you know, I was um, on uh, medication, um, you know, so I, you know, sought out all of these like services and resources to really help me heal so you know really the the healing process you know it takes time um, but it is possible and you know if if you need help um, you know go and get the help that you need Um, so you know that's that's definitely what what I would say and then you know another thing was that just writing in my in my journal um, every day was also something that helped a lot um, you know, and having having someone uh, to talk to, you know, whenever I, I needed to talk uh, to them. So, you know, I'd call the, the hotline um, and would speak to an advocate on the hotline. Um, and actually, that's like one of the, the ways Will Powered Woman differs is that when people reach out to us for support, they actually are given an advocate and that person is their advocate. So oh, wow. um, love that. there's... Yeah, so there's not this whole having to speak to someone new every time and, you know, they're able to have some sort of consistency um, with with having an advocate and their support person. Um, so, you know, that's one thing that I've been very cognizant of within the organisation to, you know, give give survivors that, uh, you know, that, that thing that they need where they need some sort of, like, consistency. Uh, yeah, after they've been through. Love that. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. It is such an encouragement, and I hope everybody listening that you're really absorbing everything that Caitlin is saying there because it is so true. And there isn't any. Uh, don't take this the wrong way, Caitlin, but there isn't anything special about her. <laughs> That, you know, made it possible for her to heal, you know, because we can go to that place, yeah, exactly. you know, worked for her, won't work for me. So if any of y'all are in your heads doing that thing, no, no, no. All it is is reaching out, getting support, taking it day by day, 
And, uh, and of course, you have a resource that you now know about, willpoweredwoman.org. You can go to their website. You can reach out. Um, Caitlin, do you support people outside of the Bay Area? Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So see, folks, no matter where you are in this beautiful world, reach out to Caitlin. You can email her at Caitlin at willpoweredwoman.org. That's C-A-I. T-L-I-N at willpoweredwoman.org. And for those of you who are in the Bay Area, be sure to check out their upcoming class, Dare to Dream. It's going to be hosted at WeWork Soma, um, and it's a Survivor's Stories of Triumph. So if you go to their website, uh, willpoweredwoman.org slash 2018events, .html, uh, that'll also be listed here in the podcast notes, um, then you can get over there and check out the year events, and, and you all have lots of events, this isn't the only one, lots of ongoing events it seems when I was checking out your calendar, you guys are up to quite a bit. Yes, yeah. we're uh, trying to consistently offer events and classes every month. Absolutely. So if you can't attend this upcoming um, event, get on their newsletter list so that you can be updated about, I just signed up today. I was like, oh, yes, I want to (laughs) know what's going on over here. Um, So, yeah, wonderful. So, Caitlin, thank you again so much for joining us today and sharing yourself with us. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And for those of you listening, thank you so much for tuning in and joining us. Don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching. And, of course, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a note, and tune in next time because we have so much more to share. Until then, take good care of you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.